As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. everybody. This is Nurse Mo, and we're on episode 104 of the Straight A Nursing Podcast. And I am so glad that you are here with me today. I just I appreciate so much. I know you guys have very limited free time and that you choose to spend even a little bit of it with me just makes me so happy and I'm so honored. So today we're going to be talking about what your next steps are right after you graduate or as you're graduating from nursing school. But before we hop into that, I do want to give a quick listener shout out to Carly, who says, thank you for creating this podcast. It is so helpful to listen to before a lecture or to brush up on material. Nurse Mode does a great job in making concise, easy to listen to podcasts, probably the best nursing podcast ever. I've gotten some of my best test scores when I integrate these podcasts into my studying. Carly, that is probably the highest endorsement that I could get. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to even just write and tell me that. It makes a huge difference for me to see that I'm actually helping people as I sit here in my office by myself talking into a microphone. I'm actually talking to you. And I just appreciate all of you so, so very much. And I know some of you are graduating soon. Congratulations. I'm sorry that your graduation ceremonies are blah. Mine is too. I'm graduating from my master's program, knock on wood. And I had all these things lined up and it's just kind of a big letdown to not have that. But you know what, if that's the worst thing that happens to me from all this crazy quarantine stuff, then I got off a lot easier than many, many people. So at least I'm thankful for that. But you're graduating. You have a ton of questions. I see your questions all the time in my Facebook group. You guys email me. And I just want to address some of the things, some of the most common things that you ask about in today's podcast. So if you're not graduating yet, bookmark this one and come back to it in a little bit because you guys are all going to graduate. You're all amazing. Okay. So making that transition, I would say there's a really big transition that occurs between nursing student to that new graduate registered nurse. And it's intense. It's scary. It's nerve wracking, but it's also really kind of amazing. So I know you're excited and I know you're also maybe even also a little bit overwhelmed or even terrified. So I've got some tips here for you. Let's get into them. So before you graduate nursing school, um, one a nice thing to do is to put together a nursing portfolio. Now, this isn't something that everybody does, but it does um, 
it can help you in a very competitive job market to help you stand out. So this nursing portfolio is basically um, a booklet, an expanded look at your skills and your accomplishments. And I wrote a whole blog post about the nursing portfolio, so I'm not going to go into uh, the details of it here, but I will link to it in the show notes so that you can get an idea um, for what it looks like and the kinds of things that are in it. So That's something that you can do while you're still in school as you're nearing your graduation date. And then before you get your license, before you take your NCLEX and get your registered nurse license, you can check to see if your state grants what's called an interim permit or an IP. So California does, and that's how I know about it. Um, An IP in a lot of places will enable you to get a job as a new graduate before you pass your NCLEX. So a lot, some of the students, not a lot, but a few of the students that I graduated with got jobs on an IP and then took their NCLEX. The scary thing to me about that and why I didn't go that route is because I knew my mind would mess with me and that if I had a job that I loved with an IP and I had to go take my NCLEX and I knew I was going to lose my job if I didn't pass, that to me is so much pressure um, that I, I think I would have just been a nervous wreck and not done well on my NCLEX exam. So, and even, even without that, when after I took my NCLEX, I cried all the way home because I was sure I had failed. And then I got pulled over for talking on my cell phone and the officer I mean, I'm crying. I'm like in tears and I'm explaining to him, like, I think I I just took my licensing exam and I know I failed and I'm bawling. And he's like, I'm sure you did fine. Here's your ticket. And he still gave me a ticket. So anyway, I did pass, but I felt like I didn't. So just so you know, if you feel like you failed, don't worry about it. You probably didn't. Anyway, so if you can get an IP and get to work right away, and maybe you will, um, that might be something that is available where you live. And just know that that could be an option. So whether you get an IP and get a job or not, you are still going to be preparing for that NCLEX examination. And this is that first huge hurdle after you graduate. You know, you went through nursing school, you got through all of that, and now you've got one giant, huge test to take. So a question that a lot of students ask is, well, how much time should I give myself to study? I think right now, so this is being recorded, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic and everything's all bizarre and up in the air. So I think the NCLEX test dates um, might be a little bit delayed. But if you're listening to this later and you kind of get to choose how much time you have to study. I would say, you know, a month or two. Don't wait too long if you can get away with it because you don't want to lose your motivation and your drive. And I have to tell you guys, when you graduate from nursing school, the amount of knowledge that you have is enormous. I have forgotten most of that stuff that you guys know right now. Um, Because if you don't use it, if it's not in the specialty that you work or it's not something that you see, it's probably going to go away unless you're one of those people that just remembers everything. I am not one of those people. So when you graduate, you know the most book knowledge, okay? I'm not going to say... This clinical judgment and clinical skills and clinical reasoning and knowledge is a whole 
other thing, but your book knowledge is enormous right now. And that's how the NCLEX is going to test you on that and on those clinical scenarios on the exam. So don't wait too long to schedule your exam if you have any control over that. I think I took mine within three months. Um, and I did a lot of skiing and I did a lot of studying in that time. So I think the most important thing for you to do in that time is just try to relax, try to relax and decompress after nursing school and get your cortisol levels back to normal. Set aside time to study regularly. I think I studied, you know, every day. Maybe I took the weekends off. I can't remember, but I did some studying every day. And then I spent time getting my life back. And like I said, I went up to Tahoe and did a lot of, actually, I was trying to learn how to snowboard. I was terrible at it, but that's what I did in that time frame between graduating and taking the NCLEX and starting a job. And you're going to, you know, some people take review courses and swear by those, like those Kaplan courses. Some people invest in like UWorld or other uh, prep things like that and swear by those. I didn't do any of that. I just, I had my NCLEX books that I used in school and I had an NCLEX app. Um, I don't remember which one I had, if it was Saunders or one of those, but it was one of those big publishers. And I just, instead of buying a book, I bought the app and I did questions on my phone. I did questions online. I just did NCLEX questions. I didn't take a course. Some people might benefit from a course. I found that I just did better studying on my own and doing a ton of NCLEX questions. And, you know, the way I studied those NCLEX questions was that if I, even if I got the answer right, you still kind of feel like you're guessing a lot, you know, how those questions are. Like a lot of times you can get it down to two that you feel pretty good about. And then your one is just a little bit of a better idea in your mind. So you pick it, but you still are like, oh, did I guess? So even if I got the answer right, I still would study the rationales. And I would study the rationale for why that answer was right and why all the wrong answers were wrong. And anytime I came across a little tidbit, a little fact that I didn't know, or I thought, ooh, I kind of know that, but I need to reinforce it, I would write it down. And I had, um, did I make flashcards? I think I made flashcards out of those. And then I would study those over and over again. And that is um, basically how I passed my NCLEX, even though when I took it, I felt like I was guessing the whole time. Um, okay, so you guys are going to study for your NCLEX. You're going to pass and you're going to get your license. And then the next hurdle is finding a job. So when I graduated very competitive job market. Thousands of people applied for the new grad program that I eventually got hired into. But I applied to dozens and dozens of jobs. And, you know, you are going to just have to accept the fact that you're going to get a lot of rejection and that's okay. Um, I tried not to take it personally. There were thousands of people, at least, yeah, probably looking for jobs at that time. It had been a competitive market for a while. So I was not only up against my current um, graduating class and all the other schools that were graduating, but the students from a year before who were still looking for jobs. So depending on where you live and what's going on with this whole pandemic thing, are hospitals hiring are they going to start hiring again soon? You might find yourself in a difficult job market. I would say don't take it personally. Keep applying. I made a spreadsheet, love spreadsheets, um, of all the jobs that I applied to 
um, where I was in the process for each one, if I talked to anybody, if I talked to a recruiter, if you know how I followed up when I heard back, etc. So that just helped me keep track of all the jobs that I had applied to. So um, it, it can be difficult. And in some parts of the country, it might not be as challenging you might find that you have multiple job offers before you even graduate. So um, I can only speak to the experience of having to hunt for a job. So um, I would say plan to get on those job postings daily. Um, I pretty much only searched for nursing jobs, not through like a monster.com or one of those, but I would go to that hospital's job postings and search there. And that's how most places do it. They don't typically need to advertise on a job uh, board like Monster, but um, you can look there as well. And you may find like travel. Well, I wouldn't recommend a new grad travel, but you may find uh, job postings for skilled nursing facilities, for instance, in a job board like that, because they might not, you know, have an internal job posting portion of their website because they're a smaller facility. So you can look there, you could look at the hospitals in your area, go to their job, um, part of their website, their career section of their website and apply there. And then look at, you know, how far are you willing to commute? My sister-in-law got a job and she moved for a while and got that first year experience under her belt. A lot of people do that. Um, a girl that I precepted took a job in, I want to say North Dakota or South Dakota, somewhere far, and then um, did that for a couple of years. And then she moved back to California and uh, works here now. And then other people would get jobs like down in LA or in that area and I'm not even kidding, would go down, do six in a row, and then fly home and then commute in that way. So there's a lot of different options. Sometimes depending on where you live, you might have to get a little bit creative. So um, looking for a job, don't take it personally. Be in for the long haul, fight the good fight. Hopefully you'll find something that you love. You may not find something that you love right away. The most important thing is getting that first job. It's very expensive for hospitals to train a new grad. So they might not have as many new grad eligible positions available. So you might not get your new grad job in the ICU or the ER or oncology or wherever you really want to be. That's okay. Take a job, um, get basic nursing experience, and then you'll be so much more marketable when you go to try to get a job in pediatrics or wherever it is that your dream job is. Okay. So um, get a feel for the job market in your area. And then, um, you know, my advice would be if it's a 
good job at a hospital that provides training and will support you in that way, then take it. Learn what you can. Give 110%. And then when you feel ready, move on to where your heart really is. But you can learn something from any kind of nursing unit, any kind of nursing job. You're going to learn so, so, so much. Okay. So... One of the things that you will need to be doing to find a great job or any job for that matter is to have a professional resume that's very well done. So a lot of students struggle with this because they don't have nursing experience and they're not really sure what to put on a resume. So I want to tell you guys about Nurse Angie. And some of you may be in her Facebook group and already know about her. So she's got a website called survivingnursingschool.com. And Angie's wonderful. And she's so helpful with new grads. And one of the awesome services that she provides is a resume writing service you guys. So you can go to her website and get help with creating that professional new grad resume. Um, You can also get help with a cover letter. You can get help with, uh, you know, putting that all together, making it look really professional. I believe she even offers career coaching if you you wanna talk to somebody about your career options. So go to her website. She's also got a Facebook group, Surviving Nursing School with Nurse Angie, I believe is the name of the Facebook group. But go check out her resume uh, services. I think that's a fantastic thing. Um, I don't see a lot of people offering that, especially for the new grad nurse who has relevant experience, but you might have a hard time articulating what that experience is. Nurse Angie can help you do that and really help you set yourself up for success in finding that nursing job. Okay. This was totally not sponsored. I just wanted to tell you guys about her because I think that is an awesome service that she provides. Okay. So um, if you're writing your own resume or you're working with a professional to create it, you know, there's certain things in your experience that you have that are going to look good to a hiring manager. So Any kind of job or experience you have that involves time management or delegating or prioritizing, those are all things that a nurse does as well. Customer service, if you've ever had to deal with the public, then talk about that because as a nurse, you are going to deal with a million different types of people all probably under varying amounts of stress, having excellent customer service skills can really go a long way to making you stand out. If you ever had a job where you had to work under pressure, that is also something that nurses have to do. If you've ever had to analyze data, analyze situations, or be in any kind of a leadership role, that's going to show that you are um, a qualified and attractive candidate. Anything about professional communication, again, that kind of goes back to that customer service standpoint. Anything involving assessment, nurses, that's like the nurse's number one job is assessment. And then, you know, organization, being very organized, being able to... um, 
manage competing priorities, time management, all of that being organized and systematic is also um, attractive quality. So whether that's in your, you know, jobs where you've had to use those skills, or you mention them in your cover letter as personal, you know, personal qualifications, things like that are going to stand out. Also, I would say being highly teachable and having a willingness to learn. Working as a team is also another huge thing in nursing. So anything like that that shows you've done that, willing to do it, passionate about it, I would say would be very good things to have in your resume. And you also want to then start working on your network. So a lot of times people get jobs because of who who they know. You know, um, a hiring manager has a stack of 400 resumes and they have a nurse that works on the unit that says, I know Jenny. I was a lifeguard with her um, all through college. And she is, you know, works well under pressure. She's a strong leader. She's really smart and loves to learn. Well, that Jenny's probably going to get an interview because somebody gave her a shout out and she demonstrates some good qualities. So if you know somebody, let them know you're looking for a nursing job. Okay, so work that network. Um, if you're volunteering at a hospital, make sure that they know you are wanting to work there when you graduate. They may not have a position for you, and that's okay. But you know what? They know other people in the hospital. And if pediatric oncology isn't hiring, but um, the pediatric unit is, well, maybe they can put in a good word for you. Okay. So don't be shy about saying, hi, I'm Alan, and I've really loved volunteering here, and I would love to apply here when I graduate. So be on the lookout for my resume, and I'll call you um, when I do submit it so that you know to be on the lookout for it. Don't be shy, you guys, okay? Nurses are very assertive because you have to advocate for your patients, right? We'll show that right from the start by advocating for yourself. What's the worst that can happen? They could say no. Big deal, okay? All right, so... Um, networking with people. I'll tell you how I got my first nursing job um, because it was all about networking, I, I think. So um, like I said, I graduated, very, very competitive job market and super stressful. Was I ever going to find a job? I applied to dozens and dozens of jobs. I don't even remember how many, but it was like my full-time job every day to look for jobs and then apply and blah, blah, blah. So when I was going into my fourth semester of nursing school, I got a scholarship, you guys, from the local hospital. Um, not a huge scholarship. I think I bought a camera <laughs> with my scholarship money. Um, I'd already paid for my last semester and all my books by the time I got it. So I was like, gravy. So I bought a digital camera. And I was very excited about that. I considered that kind of like my graduation gift. So I had that. And part of that scholarship process was going to a little ceremony at Sac State. And I was there and I think I had to write, did I have to write an essay to get the scholarship? I think I did. I either had to write an essay to get it or I just got it like, oh, surprise, you got a scholarship. But then I had to write an essay as like a thank you for the scholarship. Maybe that's what it was. So anyway, I went to this ceremony, little reception thing. And there was the woman that basically awarded me the the check was a recruiter. 
for the hospital. So I met her and that was great. So I made sure I got, she made, actually, she gave me her card. I don't even think I had to ask for it, but she gave it to me and I saved it. And then, um, when I graduated, at my graduation, I got an award. I didn't even know I was going to get an award, but I got an award from this hospital as like a nursing student excellence award. And that was a bonus. And I I want to say the recruiter was there to give me that as well. And I was like, oh, hey, I remember you. <laughs> and then, so I graduated, right? And then I had been applying for a million jobs. And then there was a new grad program at this same hospital. And so I called this recruiter and said, hey, I just want to let you know I'm applying for this new grad position. Do you have any advice for me? And I don't remember what advice she gave me, but um, whatever she said, I'm sure I followed. But then at that point, she knew I had applied and she already knew me and when next time I called her, or maybe she called me, I don't remember, but she said, I wanted to let you know that I forwarded your resume to the hiring manager. And so you guys, I totally got that job. I think there were 5,000 applicants. I totally got that job because I had networked with the recruiter. So you're not always going to have a recruiter who hands you a scholarship check, but anybody you know that is in any position to know anything or know anybody about hiring in a hospital, make sure they know you're looking for a job. Okay, so work your network, guys. Okay, and then you're going to get a job. Congratulations. And you're going to start that first nursing job. So the funny thing about this whole process is that right when you get over one big stressful event, there's another big stressful event. And I have to say that first day, holy cow, I've never been more excited and terrified to do something and more relieved that it was over in my life. I, um, started in the ICU. And this was an ICU that had not hired a new person in years, much less a new grad. So it was so stressful, you guys. So this is a huge transition to make. And I just remember walking out. And I remember I was wearing my red scrubs. Did I wear my red scrubs the first day? That's a power move. Um, this was before we had uniforms, but I think maybe I wasn't. Maybe I was wearing my seal blue. But anyway, I remember walking out thinking, thank God that's over. I never have to have another very first day as a nurse ever again. And I just, after that, I mean, I'm not going to say it got easier, but I didn't have that first day terror anymore. I mean, it was still really difficult and I had, you know, challenges and I had, as a lot of hard work and studying to be a new ICU nurse. But that first day, man, whew, I don't ever want to do that again. Okay. Not to scare you. I was just, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself, you guys. Okay. So making that transition, like I said, really, really intense. Um, as a student, I would say it was really eye-opening to actually learn how to be a, an actual nurse because as a student, I think, you know, I would say you see about 25% of what the nurse deals with in a typical uh, shift um, over the course of, you know, their job. So seeing everything that the nurse is doing, is responsible for, coordinates, communicates, 
manages was just, holy cow, this is intense. So hopefully you get a job at a place that provides really great training for new grad nurses. That may or may not happen. Um, If it's something where you're taking a choice, making a choice between two employers, I would say lean heavily towards the one that's going to support you the most with the best training, okay? So during that time when you're training, you'll be working with a preceptor, you know, just like you did in clinicals, but much more closely, much more... um, Deeply, I guess you're going to be learning a lot more. So you'll be with that nurse, or maybe there's a couple different ones that you work with for a period of time. And usually that's specified um, in the beginning, you know, whether it's six weeks or six months, whatever it is, depending on the kind of care area that you're going into. If you're having, you know, difficulties, they could extend your orientation. That does sometimes happen. Um, But typically, you'll have an idea of how long your orientation period will will be. Um, So a few tips for this critical transition period as you go from a nursing student to a new nurse is I want you to ask lots of questions. This is not the time to say, well, Nurse Mo says that I have the most book knowledge I'm ever going to have right now and I know everything. Okay, don't say that. Um, Ask questions, you guys. Um, Learn from your coworkers. Learn from experience. Ask them things like, when you saw that patient was deteriorating, tell me what you noticed. Tell me what your thought processes were. By diving into how somebody else thought critically through a situation, you will learn to do the same yourself. If you're not sure um, about anything, ask questions. Okay, you guys, don't be afraid to ask questions. I also want you to pace yourself. So it can be really tempting to take those really difficult cases right from the very start because they're so interesting, right? But I want you to focus on learning the basics and then work your way up. You'll learn more and you'll do better overall. So get in there and don't be disappointed if your first few patient assignments are pretty basic. You can learn so very much from them as well. Okay, so pacing yourself is very important. I also want you to see and do as much as you can. Okay, so maybe you maybe you have an assignment that's not too intense, but you know the guy next door is getting a chest tube placed. Get over there and help do um, what you can to learn about the nurse's role in the placement of a chest tube. Does your coworker need a hand? Well, get in there and offer to help. Um, You never know what you'll learn until you get in there and actually experience it for yourself. Okay, I also want you to study your tail off. This is not the time to put away your books and take a vacation. This is a time for intense studying and learning. So um, especially if you're going into a specialty area, then you may have a specialized course that you have to go through. Um, Even if you don't have a specialized course that the hospital is sending you to, 
study on your own, learn the things that you need to learn to be good at your job. If you are at work and you know that you're terrible at reading EKGs, but maybe you're on a telemetry unit and you need to know this and you're probably going to have to take a telemetry exam at some point very soon, then get in there and study. Okay, so look things up when you get home or save them for your days off. But if a patient had a procedure, go look it up on your day off, learn about it, learn about the nursing care of these patients, you will um, feel so much more confident when you go to work when you have some background knowledge to support you in that. Okay. Also, I am a big, big advocate of developing consistent routines. So routines can really help set you up for success. I have a start of shift routine that I talked through in a a few podcasts ago. Um, Having a routine makes it easy to remember the 8 million things that you need to do. Maybe you'll be less likely to forget something um, is if you have a good routine to back you up. And I'm not saying like, go listen to my podcast on routines. I'm not saying make that your routine. I'm saying that's an example of a routine. As you get into the flow of whatever unit you're working on, you'll find a, a routine that works for you, but you need to make a point of developing that routine and then and then sticking to it and practicing it and then finding ways to make it better. Get rid of the things that don't support you, add the things that do. And then before you know it, you'll have this solid start of shift routine that will set you up for, you know, having the best possible day that you can have. And then aside from start of shift routines, I have routines for my first assessment of my patient. I have routines for um, the end of the shift as I'm kind of wrapping things up. So getting into, you know, kind of a system where you're doing um, the key important things so that you don't forget to do them because it's very easy to forget to do things when you have so many things competing for your attention. I would also advise you to use a really great brain sheet, um, also called a report sheet. So I have some on my website. If you're looking for a starting point, you are welcome to download them and use them. You're welcome to absolutely make your own that really fit in with the way your brain works, the way your unit works, the way, you know, whatever specialty maybe you're working in works, how many patients you have at one time, whatever it is, um, use a brain sheet, especially in the very beginning. Do not be one of those. You'll see nurses get report and not write down a single thing. Some people are really good at that, I would say it take it exceptional people are good at that. Uh, especially people that learn by listening. Some people don't retain information by writing it down. They retain it by really listening to it. Um, I would say though, when you're new, write it down or you're going to forget because there's just so much, so much distracting you, so much competing for your attention, write stuff down. You need a really good brain sheet. And then as you go throughout your shift, whatever changes, whatever, you know, the patient gets a new IV, the patient gets a central line, the patient starts dialysis, the patient's feeding tube uh, fell out, whatever. Write those changes down, those new things or the things you discontinue so that when you give report at the end of the shift, now you have an updated, you know, scenario of what's going on with the patient. So use your brain sheet for that. And then I want you to never, ever, ever, I want you to promise me right now, you will never, ever, ever use the phrase, but that's how we did it in school. 
okay, nobody cares how you did it in school. Um, You're going to come across as a know-it-all probably and someone who's not teachable if you say things like that. It also um, discredits the vast experience of the people that are teaching you. Now, they may teach you a totally different way than what you learned. And you know what, you guys, that's fine. There's more than one way to skin a cat. That's what I always say. Now, if someone's teaching you a way that's not safe, then I want you to stand up for and advocate for your safety and the patient's safety. But don't be that know-it-all that says, well, that's not how I learned it. Because I guarantee you, there's about 50 ways to do things. And the nurse who's teaching you has probably tried all those 50 ways and found the most efficient way for them. Whether that's the most efficient way for you is up to you to decide, but just be open to learning new ways of doing things. And then you decide and you develop your own practice in the way that makes the most sense for you and is the safest for your patients. Okay, so now those are just some transition tips that I have for starting that new job, making that transition. Let's talk about some supplies that might be really helpful for you as you're starting out. So um, reference books, I'm a big, I love books, you guys. I have so many books. Um, There are some reference books that I absolutely loved and I bought so many of them. But the ones that really stood out for me were Kathy White's books. They're these little, little cute three ring binders. They're little though. They're not like big three ring binders. They're little. Um, And they are just chock full of fabulous information. So the one I have is Fast Facts for Critical Care. And I love it. And she's also got one for pediatric nurses. She's got one for trauma nurses. There's probably more. Love, love, love them. Kathy White, Kathy with a K, if you Google her name, Kathy White, um, her, her, they're just great. I just loved them. They were small enough to put in my little um, work bag and flip through. There's tabs. You can find things. They're super. Absolutely love them. If you're working in critical care, I absolutely loved the book, Critical Care Nursing Secrets. I always tell my new orientees when I was working in ICU, I don't work in ICU that much right now. I work in the recovery room. But um, in critical care, I loved that book. I found it to be absolutely excellent. And then another book is The Handbook of Medical Surgical Nursing. Really great, very comprehensive overview of the key things you need to know to take care of medical surgical adult patients. So those would be the books that I really, really loved. Okay, so some tools of the trade, some other things that you might find handy are goggles, eye protection, really important. You can get sprayed in the eyeball with all kinds of things and you don't want that. So wearing goggles anytime you're at risk, anytime you're up close with a patient, you don't want them coughing in your eyeballs, sneezing in your eyeballs, bleeding into your eyeballs, nothing in the eyeballs, folks. So get some goggles. Um, If you can get some that are anti-fog, that's even better because they do tend to fog up. I got some from 3M that I really liked. They're super cheap. Um, They're lightweight. Um... There's all kinds. There's some with a strap that go around your head if you want to do that. Whatever it is, get some goggles to protect your eyes. Sometimes your employer will provide them, but I like the ones that I got because they fit. I have kind of a little head, so they fit me a lot better. Okay, and then you're obviously going to need a stethoscope. I think this is the most often asked question in my Facebook group. 
Um, I have a Lippman Master Classic 2. I got one as a new... Did I get one as a student? I think I got one as a student. And you guys, I had that stethoscope for probably nine years. I never lost it, which was amazing. It lasted a really long time. And then finally, it just got all weird and the tubing got really stiff. So I got rid of it and I got a different one. And I got the exact same model, Littman Master Classic 2. It's a good solid stethoscope. If you're working in a specialty unit, like a cardiovascular unit, cardiovascular ICU, you might want to upgrade to a cardiology stethoscope. They're definitely more expensive, but you might be able to hear, you know, that it it is they're used so that you can hear heart tones really, really well. So if that's part of your job, then maybe get a cardiology stethoscope. Um, some coworkers that I work with really love their electronic one where you can really dial up, kind of dialing up the volume to hear those more subtle sounds. Also really nice, really expensive though. Get it engraved so that someone doesn't borrow it and walk away with it. Okay. And then, um, and okay, this is me just being kind of a girly girl, but I love a cute badge reel. So badge blooms on Etsy makes the cutest ones. I absolutely have to say, if you're looking for a really cute badge reel, go to badge blooms on Etsy. They are darling. Otherwise just get one with a very, a solid, nice, heavy duty retractable cord. Um, retractable cord just makes it easy to use your badge to swipe into things and scan your badge for the glucometer, get into the elevator, whatever. So badge reel, love it. Get a nice solid retractable reel. That's good heavyweight. Okay. Otherwise it'll break. Mini Sharpie. You guys, I love these mini Sharpies. So they're the little short ones. They've got a little um, loop so that you can attach them to your badge, um, like your thing on your badge, like a key ring holder on your badge. I use them all the time. I use it to label my lines. I use it to um, time and date my dressings. I use it to label my IVs. You know, you have to change your IV tubing every however many days. Our, our hospital, it's four days. Um, all of that. I use it all the time. So I get the mini Sharpies and I love them. So definitely get some of those. Um, badge reference cards. Oh, yeah, these are awesome. So badge reference cards. I believe Chelsea Rogers, who is also an awesome nurse, she has a Facebook group called Tribe RN, I believe. She's got some really great badge cards. There's a whole bunch of really great ones out there. Hers are really cute. Um, not cute. I don't mean cute like cute. I mean cute like they look nice and they're full of information. But get some kind of badge reference cards with the information on it that you need. So the ones that I keep on my person are the things that I use sometimes, but not often enough that I'm going to remember it, like how to localize EKG changes. I cannot for the life of me remember that. So I've got a little badge card with it on there. When I was brand new, I had the badge card with all of the um, ECG measurements, like the PR interval and the QRS interval or the QRS, you know, what those measurements should be in the QT and all of that. So get the badge reference cards that pertain to where you work. Some of them have labs on them and all of that. So I find those to be really helpful and really handy. Um, I did make a badge reference card 
specifically for the unit where I worked with all the most frequently called phone numbers on it. And I used the heck out of that thing. So um, that's just a little tip there. You also will find hemostats and scissors to be extremely useful tools. I use hemostats all the time because some people... I'm not going to name any names, but some people twist on their IV tubing like, I don't know, like they're trying to attach it forever. So I sometimes have to use hemostats to get those uh, tubings disconnected. I'm not saying don't put your tubing on securely, but if a normal strength person can't come along and untwist it, then it's on way too tight. You can actually put it on so tight that it strips the connection and then you can never get it off and you have to change the whole thing out. So anyway, hemostats make opening, um, unscrewing IV tubing really, really easy. I use it for a whole bunch of different things. And then scissors I use all the time. And then a clipboard. So I use a clipboard to put my brain sheet or my report sheet on there. And that way I can take report at the bedside without having to find a surface to write on. I can just jot down my notes right there and be at the bedside, um, which is the safest for the patient to do report um, at the bedside. I would not bother with those. So some of those clipboards are really cheap, you guys. I bought one in nursing school for semester. I think they have better ones now, but it was just this white clipboard with a whole bunch of like nursey facts all over it. And I was like, awesome. All these facts is awesome. Well, the thing broke after like one day. I've seen some that fold. Those are really nice. Um, and they, I think those also have nursey facts on them, but they're way more sturdy. Plus they fold up and you can shove them in a pocket. So those are nice. And then I just have uh, an acrylic heavy, heavy duty one with my name on it because I don't want anybody to steal it. So use some kind of clipboard that works for you so that you can take report at the bedside and then just have your paperwork in a nice tidy, tidy way. You'll also want to invest in your pen collection. I know this is, I'm going to twist your arm on this one. Nurses love pens. Um, you'll be writing a lot of things, writing a lot of notes throughout the day, jotting things down. So get some pens. Don't break the bank, but get ones that you like to use and then put your name on them because they will get lost. Um, I already talked to you about brain sheets. I'm just looking at my list here. You'll want some kind of bag for work that you can put your brain sheets in, your clipboard, your pens, your stethoscope, your hemostats, all of that stuff. So um, I use a Timbuktu bag, but there's all kinds of nurse totes out there and bags and things that you can choose. So just find one that you like um, and not too big. Uh, you don't want to be schlepping it all the way from the parking lot. I know that some places you have to park really far away. So just big enough for the essentials for work and leave it at that. And then I would say compression socks were a game changer for me, you guys. I didn't wear them for years and then I started wearing them and it was just so much, so much better. So compression socks, um, my legs were less tired, my feet hurt less. Very important. They're 
expensive. So, you know, like $20, $25 a pair. So I think I bought like three pairs, enough for one week of work, and they've lasted me for years. So compression socks. I like Sockwell's brand, but there's so many different brands out there. Um, just find find ones that you like and go for it. Okay, you also want to have a water bottle with a lid. Most um, units don't allow, well, some units don't allow anything in the nurse's station. Some will allow water with a lid. So you want to make sure that your water bottle has a lid and you want to stay hydrated at work. So get a like a hydro flask or something like that with a lid that you can screw on tightly. Okay. And then obviously you need a lunch bag. I would uh, advise something that is insulated and, um, what else? Cause sometimes like the break room might not be really close. So you might just want to leave your lunch bag, um, uh, handy so you can grab your snacks you guys so get an insulated bag and then I like to bring lunches that I don't have to microwave because lunch break is only 30 minutes I don't want to spend three of those minutes waiting for my lunch to heat up so a lot of times for my lunch I'll take uh, things that don't need to be heated like a sandwich or a salad and a sandwich or something like that and then you're going to need some go-to snacks that you can have on hand for a quick uh, a quick pick-me-up. I like dried mangoes. I like almonds. I like lower bars. Those are yummy. Um, what else? All kinds of things. But those are the main snacks, granola bars, things like that. You want to have something so that if your blood sugar gets low and you get hangry, you can quickly grab something to eat because I don't know about you, but when I get like that, I can't think straight. I don't have any patience. I just, I need to eat and then I can get back to being amazing. Okay. And then you guys, if you're working night shift, there's a few things, a few extra things that you're going to want to look at getting. One of those is blackout curtains so that you can sleep during the day. Some people do fine with just putting on an eye mask. I needed like blackout curtains and an eye mask. So um, I think I got mine on, where did I get mine? I think I got mine at Bed Bath and Beyond, but you could probably go on Amazon and get some blackout curtains. Also, blue light goggles are supposed to help you um, sleep better during the day if you start wearing your blue light goggles before you go outside. So don't go outside without them. And then when you go outside, it blocks those uh, UV light, I believe, and it helps you sleep once you're home. If you go outside and you're in the sunlight, your body thinks, oh, it's time to be awake. And then it can be really hard for people to day sleep. I had a really hard time day sleeping. Otherwise, night shift was awesome. But day sleeping, just I couldn't do it. So I had to stop doing night shift. And then um, last but not least, I want you guys to just take care of yourselves and commit to taking care of yourself first. It can be really tempting to work a lot of extra hours, especially if you're young and full of energy and you're super excited about being a nurse and you just want to work, 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 work. But you really need to have that time to decompress, have those days off, enjoy your days off, rejuvenate refresh, take care of your body, take care of your spirit, take care of your mind. Okay. Nursing is exhausting. It's emotionally draining. It's a very stressful job. It's also a wonderful job. But if you don't take time for you, then you're not going to have anything left to give your patients. So that would be my last bit of advice as you make this awesome transition from being 
a nursing student to a new grad nurse. Okay. Thank you guys for sticking here with me. I feel like I've been talking for a long time. I've been talking for 49 minutes. Holy cow. Um, next week, I would love for you to come back and hang out with me. We're going to, the topic is called nose of a nurse. And I'm just going to leave it at that and see if that tantalizes you enough to come back in with me next week as we um, continue our podcast journey together. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. Have a one wonderful week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.